Welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. And today we're going to be talking about how the fashion world can respond to the challenges and opportunities of sustainability in a year when sustainability is set to go mainstream. Here to discuss this with me are Tamsin Blanchard, fashion journalist and author of the pioneering fashion sustainability book, Green is the New Black, How to Save the World in Style, and Emily Gordon-Smith, Stylus' own head of fashion. Um, I think I'm going to start with a uh, terrifying statistic, as most people always do when they talk about sustainability. Um, so 85% of discarded clothing still ends up in landfill sites, and the average American throws away over 35 kilos of clothing a year. This is, uh, this is pretty scary stuff still. But I think nonetheless, people are becoming more aware of these issues. Um, I mean, especially as there's more media coverage, wouldn't you say, Tamsin? Yeah, I agree. I think Blue Planet had a huge role to play in this, that suddenly, you know, people were understanding this message that actually, you know, by them taking a plastic bag when they were buying something at the checkout, that somehow it was ending up in the stomach of some poor sea creature. And people were really quite shocked by that, I think. And that sort of started, I think, a chain of, of, you know, kind of thinking about kind of, you know, how stuff's made, how we're consuming, you know, should we be consuming so much? Um, So I think that, I I really think that had a massive, massive effect indirectly really on the conversation in the fashion industry. And that, you know, suddenly actually... I think the fashion industry realised actually it was quite a smart thing to be talking about. It wasn't kind of, you know, some weird hippy-dippy alternative crusty kind of idea. It was actually about innovation. It was about actually the industry moving forward. And really there was no other way. We had to start thinking about these issues. And if you think about that just as one isolated, um, you know, topic within the whole sustainability agenda, um, ocean waste and and, and plastic waste, um, you've got so many brands now sort of tapping into that and really responding. So people like Everlane in the States making um, puffer jackets from upcycled ocean waste, um, football kits being made out of it, Timberland making boots out of it, loads of swimwear offers. Uh, It's... So it's it's one you know just one part of the whole issue, but it feels like there's been particular momentum get gained around around that specifically. I would say. Yeah, and, sorry, sorry, and, I, and I think the uh, Parley for the Oceans um, campaign has has really uh, you know been actually quite a cool campaign. Yeah. I think a really big thing that's happened is is the idea that actually you know a puffer made from recycled plastic is actually really a cool thing to wear yeah. and, you know, and to actually even talk about. Um, and the other thing, I think the other big, uh, you know, uh, point of change was the Ellen MacArthur Foundation report, uh, which came out last year uh, with Stella McCartney's um, support, mm-hmm. um, which really, you know, the industry really had to sit up and listen because Ellen MacArthur was kind of, you know, on a par well, no, maybe not on the part of David Attenborough, but, you know, she has a really, really 
uh, authoritative voice, and suddenly the industry is thinking, okay. Mm. What did that report? Um, did you could you just go into a bit more detail about what that report was was saying? Um, yeah, I mean, really, it was talking about um, closing the loop. I mean, I think the big message that came out of it was that every second a garbage truck full of textiles is thrown into landfill, which that was a really shocking, shocking statement. Um, so it was it was really highlighting the waste in the industry and highlighting that we just can't carry on using virgin materials anymore. Of course, last year as well, there was the we saw the beginning of legislative action being taken. So across different territories, uh, looking at different aspects of sustainability and and, uh, and waste. So obviously in California, single-use plastics being banned, uh, the EU, EU 2020 agreement on single-use plastics. And then obviously in this country, we saw the announcement about the parliamentary committee looking into the sustainability of fast fashion. And I mean, a really scary stat around this is that Global garment production doubled between 2000 and 2014, yet consumers have been keeping garments for half as long for that period. So, you know, the writing really is kind of on the wall for fast fashion. I think seeing that legislation is going to start coming into place is last year is really a kind of turning point where retailers and brands and manufacturers will have their hands forced. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really exciting what's going to come out from that report, which will uh, be coming out, I think, in uh, February. I think uh, the government is going to have to start um, addressing some of the issues. Um, And whether it's, um, you know, increased taxation on um, toxic materials, um, you know, forcing retailers to actually take responsibility for the uh, materials that they're sending out into the consumer's wardrobes. Um, It'll be really fascinating to see what's going to happen with that. I think materials is a really fascinating aspect of this, don't you, in terms of so much great stuff going on in terms of innovation. For me, I think it's where fashion and technology gets really exciting. So looking at all kinds of different um, completely new sustainable um, materials being converted into into usable textiles, like mycelium from mushrooms being used in leather and waste pineapple leaves and other waste fruit products, um, all kinds of things. And a couple of innovations which actually haven't come to fruition yet, but are still in development. One um, is developing knit and woven fabrics from algaes, fully sustainable algaes. And another one is actually, and I think that's won an H&M and a Kering um, Award for Innovation. They, they, they won those last year. And a company called Smart Textiles in Sweden is actually going to be creating textiles from greenhouse gases lifted from the air. So kind of double... Uh, yeah, I agree. I think these, the, these textile innovations are just so exciting and you know they have to really be the future and they really do capture your imagination you know things like um you know Stella McCartney's been working on uh spider silk which um yeah transpires has nothing to do with spiders spinning anything but it's it's a you know it's a really really uh exciting move forward that you know we can produce uh fabrics from uh, sustainable uh, bases other than, you know, we really do have to move away from cotton 
as we saw with uh, Stacey Dooley's documentary, which was last year, which made a huge impact. Um, you know, people suddenly realizing, you know, just how much water it takes to grow cotton and that, you know, the planet just can't sustain that. And we do have to find alternative materials that are almost, you know, kind of like, you know, looking at research that goes into NASA and rocket ships. And, you know, yeah. this is this is the future. A brand's poor choice of raw material can actually define up to 50% of its environmental footprint. It's another little stat for you. <laughs> which, which, when it comes to legislation, I think this is where government can step in and actually start to regulate on that sort of stuff when you can actually measure the impact of a material on the life cycle of a garment, then that's really exciting. I'd like to ask here, when you, you talk about um, government regulation and so on, what, what do you think is the most important influence on this progressing? Is it, is it media? Is it celebrities? Is it government um, regulation? Is it um, from within the industry? Who do you think is going to have the most impact? Well, um, last November, um, Fashion Revolution... Uh, which is a campaign uh, for greater transparency in the fashion industry, uh, published um, its first consumer survey on consumer attitudes to sustainability. Um, and it was uh, done with Ipsos Mori in over five countries in Europe. And um, the findings from that research uh, showed that more than one in three people consider social and environmental impacts when buying clothes. And more than 39% said that buying clothes made by workers paid a fair living wage was important, more important than any other topic surveyed, in fact. Um, and, and I think it's the consumer that really is pushing this you know, without the consumer demanding, you know, that, you know, starting to actually want to know where their clothes were made, who made their clothes, what sort of conditions. Um, you know, we saw in um, in October when Meghan Markle wore an amazing uh, jeans brand, Outland Denim, uh, and these jeans are made by um, women who were diverted from terrible lives in various sorts of slavery in Cam Cambodia, um, you know, the, the impact that Meghan wearing those jeans had was just phenomenal. Um, it meant that Outland Denim was able to employ another 15 seamstresses. You know, their sales have gone kind of through the roof. It's opened so many doors for them. But, you know, that message that Meghan Markle was sending out I think was, again, a really powerful one and made a massive, massive impact. And other brands are seeing, you know, the influence of that and seeing the positive impact that actually they can have. And I think really that is what's going to push things forward. I think that's absolutely right. We're going to see the rise of the sort of sustainable philanthropic influencer um, this year. We saw it last year as well with Scissor announcing the launch of the Sustainability Gang, again, tackling ocean waste. And that actually, the announcement of that launch got, I think, more column inches about a launch that's happening in the future than, than any other I saw last year. Um, and, and again, I would completely reiterate what Tamsin said about this kind of consumer-led revolution happening at driven by 
the media actually now disseminating more information and actually getting the message out there, this is certainly going to be driven by the consumer. And we're seeing so much activity uh, happening in terms of, again, that momentum being gained around thrift and secondhand um, sales. I mean, particularly amongst the younger generation, they're just obsessed with buying secondhand. And secondhand uh, clothing sales are actually predicted to grow at 24 times faster than full-price traditional retail sales for the next the, the next number of years. We're seeing it at luxury level as well, luxury consignment. So this idea of extending the life of a product is very much front of mind for the consumer, I think. Within that as well, repair and renew is a real focus for consumers. So certainly into this year, when we think it, you know, the way it is going to move in, more into the mainstream, is by these consumer, consumer-led initiatives and, and, and desires. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, you know platforms like Depop are really disrupting the whole way that young people are shopping. Could you just um... uh, so Depop is a is a kind of cross between eBay and Instagram, and it's a it's a marketplace. And in the UK, interestingly, they're their main demographic is 15 to 18-year-olds, which I just think is is extraordinary. And actually, a whole generation are starting to realise that they can sell their clothes. So they buy clothes on Depop, they, in, they look after them, they wash them, they might even repair them, because they know that they can sell them on again. And that's making its own whole kind of you know circular economy and you know it's it's a community thing they enjoy doing it they can you know be part of each other's lives they can share their images of each other wearing their clothes it's it's really exciting and then I, I think in the more luxury sector you have things like Vestia Collective which are kind of kind of doing the same thing but for you know a, a, a more luxury product um, and also, I think the rental market is going to really grow this year. You know, from Rent the Runway, which is a, you know already a pretty huge uh, business, to really small boutique rental companies. Um, there's an amazing one called Hire Studio, which is is renting out you know pieces of. Uh, Junior Watanabe or Phoebe English, you know, more kind of a niche, uh, high fashion pieces. And, you know, the sort of people that are going to be wearing those are going to be talking about where they, how they rented their clothes. And they are the the leaders in this sector. Um, So I think the, the rental market is really, really one to watch this year. Yeah, and Depop saw revenues rise to $230 million last year. Um, they saw growth of 130% in the US alone. And Vestier, they uh, grew to 7 million members globally with uh, 25,000 new pieces consigned to the site every week. It's just massive numbers. And as Tamsin said, with the layer into that, the the rental um, model as well. And this is something that traditional brands and retailers have just really got to get on board with. It is about communities and they they need to be embracing that to keep up, particularly when they're trying to engage with, with younger customers. The, these sorts of things that you're talking about really couldn't have happened 10 years ago because the technology and the, and the online communities and that kind of interconnectedness wasn't really there. So... What do you, how do you think a, a brand who wants to try and 
capitalize on on this change? How 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 can they use technology to to achieve that? I think technology is a massive part of it, but more importantly, the community piece. And if you talk to anybody who's sort of really doing, you know, is very active in this territory of looking at sustainable fashion and trying to progress uh, the industry, community is is a really key word. Um, So whether that's through technology and us being able to share information that way and create communities, or whether it's actually engaging in a way which is much more community focused and in collaboration, I think that's really key to driving this agenda forward. So working in isolation is is really not the way to do this. You need to be working with with your customers, with suppliers. It's it, it's a real three sixty approach is where we're seeing it work the best. So I think yeah, within that, the, the word community is absolutely um, pivotal. Com- completely agree with that because I think the way forward really is. Um, for brands as well to be actually more actively sharing the information that they have. You know, it's no longer acceptable just, you know, to find a solution to something and then to keep it to yourselves. Um, you know, we're going to see much, much more cross fertilization of ideas, I hope. Um, and also, I think on technology, we're going to be seeing an increase in the use of blockchain technology in the fashion industry. Um, you know, already there were a few brands trying out this technology. Um, last year, Martina Spetlova, um, uh, who's a, a designer who has um, incorporated uh, blockchain into a series of um, accessories that she's created. Um, and blockchain basically just means that you can follow every step of the supply chain along the way. And it's, you know, it, in real time, you can, so there's really very little place to hide. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of the bigger corporations and big retails and brands are starting to look at because they can use it as a marketing tool as well because, it you know, it provides them with so much information about how a product was made. Um, I think that that I think we're definitely going to be seeing that finally actually coming into fruition and actually the consumer being able to access that information, you know, and to really follow the story of a piece of clothing that they're buying. I think there's another piece um, when we talk about sustainable communities, one that's around education um, and how to deliver that education, who, who you're delivering it to. And I think there's a few layers to this. Obviously, there's a responsibility of educational institutions to be teaching new people coming into the industry um, how to adapt and to and to be proactive in this area. But also, I think, an opportunity to be, be, to be um, educating existing professionals in the industry. There's a, a course that was set up last year by Kering Group um, at London College of Fashion, which is actually aimed at people who are already working in the industry, but who are really hungry for knowledge and and, and really their their sort of knowledge is is, is quite poor at the moment. And then also thinking about educating the consumer. I think the the consumer is really hungry for for knowledge and information here. So you've got things like the dedicated magazine Pebble, who've just launched their app with their sustainable cities guide. So, you know, you can go and um, travel with a clear conscience. And then uh, there's that new museum that's opened in Holland, the Fashion for Good Museum, which is purely there to to educate consumers in all matters sust- around sustainable living. That's my big aim for this year to go and visit because I haven't managed to see it yet. 
Um, also, yeah, on education, I think we actually need to educate the educators too because yeah. I think a lot of people in fashion education particularly, you know, they, they're being made to kind of catch up with all of this stuff and they haven't really been given the information that they need and I think they're struggling slightly because I think a lot of the students that are coming in are actually three steps ahead of them but I think we're going to see much more work around upcycling workshops at at fashion degree level actually making use of uh, post-consumer waste and also um, of industry waste you know we saw last year one of the biggest headlines was Burberry having been burning Thirty million pounds worth of its own stock, um, you know, to protect its own IP, and there was a huge public outcry about that. Um, you no know, brand wants that to be happening in 2019. Um, so I think ways of actually creatively using a brand's waste. Um, that's going to be coming much more uh, commonplace. It's also, again, something that brands and retailers just do need to get on board with. So you look at brands like John Lewis and Ikea buying back their old stock. Uh, you know, this is a progressive thing, and as you say, wouldn't have happened five years ago, but it is all part of this new sustainable 360 approach. So what are you most excited about this year in terms of um, innovation in this space? Um, Well, I think uh, a really focal point this year will be Fashion Revolution Week, uh, which is happening April 22nd to 29th. And that's just a focus point, really, for people to talk about both planet and people. Uh, the focus this year is is absolutely environmental and social. Uh, we'll be kicking off on Earth Day, which is the 22nd of April. There'll be endless events. There's so many ways that you can get involved. Uh, we are asking people to sign our manifesto for a fashion revolution, which you can find if you go to fashionrevolution.org. Um, I'd really urge everybody, there's so many resources from education to there's really interesting blog posts, um, there's ways to get involved, there's the Fashion Transparency Index, which we'll be publishing again this April with uh, 200 brands, uh, where we just uh, have a look and see what exactly they are publicly disclosing about the supply chains um, and that'll be a really really interesting one to look out for despite the uh, terrifying statistics that i started this podcast with i think we've proven today here that there are endless possibilities and uh, tons of innovation in this space which proves that sustainability is uh, a mainstream concern and uh, brands can do something to to change the situation um, i'd like to thank my guests uh, tamsin blanchard and emily gordon smith Thank you for listening, and hopefully you can tune in next time for Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.